We talked a lot about food today on The Start, partly for the benefits on your health and partly for the benefits on your soul. Because in our 680 CJOB Health Series presented by Body Measure, we discussed whole foods and mental health and how whole foods can help your mental health. And then on the fun side, we learned about eating in the cold because a restaurant has opened at A Maze in Snow. Also, Dine About Winnipeg is back from February 10th to the 26th to bring primo dining at bargain prices. And a Winnipeg woman has returned an overdue library book after 33 years. So that triggered a fun conversation about the stuff that we've borrowed and hung on for for too long or the stuff that you've lent out and you're still waiting to get it back. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, February 10th podcast for the start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Friday. Tyson Ruicki in for producer Jeff Forte and Master Control. And it's going to be a busy weekend, I'm sure. We've got the Super Bowl this weekend, Valentine's Day, not technically this weekend. It's on Tuesday, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to be celebrating over the weekend because Tuesday night might not work for everybody. But, uh, yeah, should be a, a festive weekend for many. Mother's Day, and then I would say Valentine's Day, a close Second for the busiest days in the restaurant busy the business. New Year's Eve might be up there as well, but uh, ter- certainly in the top three or four busiest days for the restaurant industry. And actually, Valentine's Day falling on a Tuesday is probably not a bad thing at all because that's typically one of the less busy nights of the week. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a nice bump on Tuesday. And then with it being a Tuesday, that doesn't work for everybody, as you men- mentioned. So Loren... Be people out and about celebrating tonight, tomorrow night, and maybe even Sunday night. Or you could just ignore it all together. <laughs> it's up to you. It's just however you wow. want to play this. But I thought Valentine's- you were more romantic than that. I'm a romantic, but I don't need a day to tell me to be a romantic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. don't. I like it. Like, if you, someone wants to get me a card, or if the kids want to do something cute through school, I always love those school gifts that are given and handed out. And I think it's nice to teach everybody out else how to acknowledge somebody and say you know that you care about them i think it's all great if you want to do it i'm just saying i'm not ramping up you know just not ramping up for the old valentine's day well, i'm gonna throw the i choo choo choose you valentine in the garbage then that i had <laughs> uh, picked fine. out for you <laughs> that is fine i used to like valentine's day when i was uh, a young buck and was excited with my first girlfriend like oh my god i get to do valentine's day stuff and then the second year i was like oh i gotta Gotta do it. Gotta get do it again. Up from get to gotta to do gotta. it again. And so I, I went from liking it, and then the and then ten years later, when I was dating someone else, uh, she hated Valentine's Day. Oh, so I, that kind of I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a relief. I get to save some money. I don't have to do anything. And then the last now I've just sort of kind of leveled off where it's where I don't care for it. But if you like it, great. Because I have a couple of friends. Uh, who they, they directly opposed the reason why I didn't like it. I, I said, I don't need a calendar to tell me when to be romantic. And they said, well, we actually like that because we're so busy because they, they, their kids were younger at the time. Yeah. They're so busy. So, but, so Valentine's Day, having that date on the calendar forced them to say, okay, we are making time for each other on this day. And I thought, oh, well, you know what? Hey, if that works for you, great. 
I think it depends on what you have going on, like not necessarily your relationship, but say, for example, like Valentine's Day is just six weeks after Christmas and you felt like you, if you felt pressure over Christmas with gifts and money and all the rest, you might be feeling that again. Like, what do I get? Do I have to get the jewelry or the chocolates or the perfume? You might have birthdays in February. Like we have a birthday in our house in February that comes just a few days after Valentine's Day. So it feels like that's the bigger draw. You know, you put more focus on that. So I don't know. Like, but I, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like I get the idea of, the forced pause because sometimes you do in a relationship need to be told, Hey, you two, you need to go out and spend some time together. And sometimes that works for, for couples. So I guess I get your, what your friends are saying, Brett. That's the anniversary of uh, mine and Jackie's first date. Our first date oh. was on Valentine's oh, yeah? day. That's a little weird, but uh, we made it work. Why is that weird? Well, the first, that's a lot of pressure on a first date, <laughs> the supposed most romantic day of the year. And you're going out on a first date. Ugh. I would wow. think I would kind of think the reverse because there's got there's no expectations for a first date. You're just kind of you know dipping your toe in the water. Yeah, wow. but and you, also it's, uh, it's the day okay. before that I think would be bad. Like if you went out on the 13th and then you didn't really like have any positive <laughs> feelings for her, and now on the 14th it's got to be like, well, where's okay. my gift? All right, or where's fair my enough. text that at least says like thinking of you beautiful? And you're like, I actually didn't find you beautiful at all last night. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, because otherwise we would be uh, together again today. I really pulled out all the stops on the romantic gift. Uh, I, I did bring her a gift, a Winnipeg Jets hat. Oh, yeah? That was the first thing I bought her. Very romantic. <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, if, if I know a, lot of, a lot of relationships have a tendency to come to an end before Valentine's that Day. That is true. To, like, there could be lots of breaking up going on this weekend. Mm. So for anybody who has fallen victim to that, uh, uh, my condolences. Because uh, there is a thing, they call it Red Tuesday. The Tuesday before Valentine's Day, which is, I'm not sure if, how that would work this year. But the, the Tuesday before Valentine's Day is typically... The day, the day that the most breakups yeah. will happen pre Valentine's Day. If your spidey senses have been tingling, <laughs> I would be a little nervous over the next 24, 36 hours. You know what I'm talking about. This thing isn't actually going the way I thought it would go. So we're going to, at 8.35 actually, we're going to, if you're looking for a dining experience for Valentine's Day, Dine About Winnipeg starts today actually. So we'll speak with Lori Hughes from Chow Magazine and uh, she'll give you some ideas if you're looking for something romantic, a romantic restaurant to visit. Uh, so that's coming up at 8.35. Also yesterday we were talking about uh, socials. And it turned. We, you know, the, the, the question was: Is it time for the social to evolve? Because be, too many people are asking local businesses, "Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme stuff for prizes." And uh, turns out, what's going on with uh, Ford? Yeah, so Premier, uh, is it uh, Doug Ford? Yes. Yeah, I always got to think twice. Same about here. That, right? Same here. It's like, is it Doug? Is it the now? Of course, late Rob Ford. So Doug Ford's daughter is getting married. And uh, I guess, Loren, first of all, stag and doe, thank you for introducing me to that terminology yesterday. And then to see it in the national news uh, today with regard to the Premier of Ontario, who is um, not suffering on the financial front, throwing a stag and doe at his personal residence, including some uh, very, I guess, uh, well-heeled guests. Uh, and apparently, and this hasn't been verified by Global News, but reports are that the flyer that was circulated included encouragement for people to, quote, the invitation, one source said, came with the request to make a donation to the couple of up to $1,000. What? That was the nudge. 
That was yeah. like the, uh, you know, kind of the uh, suggested uh, donation with regard to the, uh, the couple. I don't think they needed any help in paying for their wedding either, Loren. No, and so according to the story at globalnews.ca, uh, sources told Global News that people who were invited were, quote, browbeaten into buying tickets, while large and small lobbying and government relations firms were asked to purchase tickets. And so, of course, this was all investigated by the Integrity Commissioner because it was like, hang on, there seems to be like a bit too much of a connection between the social and the possibility that, you know, if you're asking people who are affiliated with the party to to donate cash, you know, are, are you lobbying the premier? But the integrity commissioner cleared Premier Doug Ford of any wrongdoing. Um, and uh, I guess we're just going to have to face facts that uh, Steak and Doe's socials, they they happen in a wide variety of circumstances, <laughs> I guess. A thousand bucks? $150 tickets and one of the door prizes was a, apparently a Vespa scooter. <laughs> like, get up, like, like, get lost, honestly. Our question of the day for Mr. Furness, don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. We asked yesterday, local businesses are being inundated with demands for prizes for wedding socials. <laughs> Is it time for the social to evolve? 68% say yes, buy your own prizes. 17% say leave it as is. It's tradition. And 15% say drop the silent auction entirely. meantime some spring cleaning as jeff Brown was telling you in his newscast has some spring cleaning has turned up a book 33 years overdue and made for a couple of laughs for some winnipeg librarians more details from global's kevin hirschfield well we told you earlier in the week about an overdue library book finally being returned more than two decades later today we're hearing from the woman who finally returned it and it turns out it was overdue a little longer than first reported jennifer walton says the copy of Catcher in the Rye was actually overdue by nearly 33 years. She says it was found in a box of books in her basement. She remembers reading it all the way back in 1990. And while fines aren't collected anymore in Winnipeg, Walton says she returned the book bearing gifts. I needed to do the walk of shame. I felt very badly that I had had their book for so many years. Um, so I actually did bring chocolates for the librarians. Um, so I did walk right in the front door. I said, I have an overdue book to return. And she got ready to scan it. And I said, no, it's actually much more overdue than that. And then explained what had happened. And happily, they enjoyed it as much as I did. Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer. What was the book in Seinfeld that uh, that uh, George couldn't find or Jerry couldn't find? This is the, the 33. That's a long time to have something. But I would suggest that uh, everybody has in their possession a book that was either given to them, lent to them, or they borrowed from someone that they have yet to return. But that's a, that's a that's a long, long time to have a library book. And and how much should they have been like if we were still doing the fine? Like how much did you get charged for a fine? Like a penny a day or something? Like what was what what, what would the charges be? For I think they like said that? if there had been fines in place. I'm just trying to pull up the script, but I think Braun just said it would only have been eleven dollars. Yeah. Like I was thinking it'd be thousands of dollars, but it's eleven bucks. That doesn't I'm even looking... cover the replacing the book at no, all. No, which is bizarre. Like I, I was just trying to remember what return fee were not even just for library books but you know when you returned a movie late and you'd get dinged and so we, and they were serious about that you know and then you wouldn't be allowed to take out 
another movie until you paid that fee. I, I'm more impressed that she just returned it, to be honest, because there's a ton of people who would have just said, oh, well, like it's been 30 years. Yeah, good point. Why bother? I'm looking right now at a the Star Wars DVDs that I borrowed like five years ago at least. Uh, which I, I never watched them. The Return of the Jedi, The Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, and then there's a bonus material. So this must be the original, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the original trilogy. I think I borrowed it years ago because that was before Disney Plus, and I, I wanted to like figure out what it was all about because my kids were getting into it, and uh, I never watched them, and I did not return them. Riley, I'm sorry. He was an old colleague. I didn't. I, <laughs> Does I gotta get these back to him. Anymore? Yeah, he does. Like, there's no reason I can't get them back to him. I just look at them all day and then think, I really gotta get those to him. <laughs> and then I don't. Yeah, that's funny. I had um, one of our old colleagues lent me a copy of Mississippi Burning. I believe that was the name of the movie. And I can't remember why. I didn't ask him to borrow this movie. But we were talking about the subject matter. And he said, oh, have you ever seen this movie? Oh, I'll, I'll lend it to you. It's really good. You'll like it. So then he just showed up at work one day. And it was like a VH. This, we're going back years now. It was a VHS copy. And uh, I, it sat on my coffee table for well over a year. I just could never motivate myself to watch it. Because I, like, whenever, I want, whenever I watch a movie, it tends to be... Like, I enjoy serious films. But usually when I decide it's movie time, I want to watch something fun or something entertaining. So I just never watched it. And he finally said, did you ever watch that movie? I said, no. Okay, well, I need it back. And, uh, and he was kind of annoyed by it. And I sort of thought, I never asked you to borrow this. <laughs> he was sort of foisted it upon me. So, like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> and did to you this get day, the... you've still never seen that movie? No. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. It's a good movie. But uh, do you get the impression that maybe he had no more room in his uh, VHS storage facility? That he just <laughs> needed to get rid of one tape and then everything would be fine. And then and then he – I love the word foist always, <laughs> that he foisted this upon you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Bothered by the fact that he lent it to you, though. Uh, that's uh, – I wasn't really bothered, but it was just sort of like, well, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But uh, I just, I, I told him like, it, it's this could take a while. Is so there a due date? The, yeah, and a year later is funny, right? It's like, did you ever watch that movie? I'd, I'd be interested to ask him how many times he wondered. <laughs> how many times he wondered if you'd watched the movie yet? Like, did he think about it every day for a year and then <laughs> finally get up the nerve to say, "Hey, Brett, have you watched that movie yet?" <laughs> Uh, he was my boss too at the time. Oh so. my! <laughs> yeah. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb in honor of the library book that was returned some 33 years later. The question for you at 204 780 6868 is what is something that you borrowed from somebody and maybe held on to for a little too long? or maybe are still holding on to, or something you lent to somebody that took a long time to get back, or maybe you never got it back. Like I said, I'm looking at a book that I once lent to a guy and said, I'm calling him out. I'm not really upset about it. I'm just kidding. But uh, Pedro, if you're listening, I once upon a time in the early aughts lent you a book called The Last Canadian a 1974 science fiction novel by William C. Hine about the adventures of Eugene Empire after North America is devastated by a plague. And I never got that book back. And it doesn't even belong to me. It was my dad's. 
So I asked my dad, can I lend this to a friend at work? He said, sure. And I never got it back. Come on, Pedro. Cough up the goods. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go around the horn here. Cameron Poitras, let's start with you. Well, I have a. I was just recently going through a couple of boxes at the house, and um, I there's a DVD in there for my uncle Mark, which he lent me uh, for Val, Tom Cruise's Valkyrie about the assassination mm. attempts on Adolf Hitler. And um, he said, "I'll lend this to you. It's a good movie. Watch it, but give it back." And it's still in my box. This must have been ten years ago. So I still have the movie, Mark. If you're listening. And you will eventually get it. I do intend to give it back to you, and I have not yet watched it. So we'll <laughs> well, we'll see. Now we'll you know what you're doing tonight, Cam. <laughs> watching that movie tonight. I have that it. I got planned. it. I keep it in my like. I gotta get this back. I'll get around to it. Jeff Braun, what about you? I've got a bunch of movies from different people that I've borrowed over the years and uh, not watched and also not returned. And I used to keep a meticulous list if I would ever lend a movie to someone else. But uh, those days have gone by the wayside, so I know I've got at least a half dozen movies of my own floating out there somewhere amongst uh, old friends and colleagues and people I don't even talk to anymore that uh, I'll just never get back. Every now and then, it's like, oh, I'd like to watch that. And it's like, I thought I had it, but I don't. I must have lent it to somebody. And I also know I have uh, two copies of Clint Eastwood's High Plains Drifter. One is mine and one belongs to a friend of mine that lent it to me about 15 years ago that I've just never returned. Any chance you have Gladiator or Braveheart on Blu-ray? Because I the, I used to own those and I don't know who has them now. I no. don't. Okay. I got the Gladiator DVD and uh, I don't like Braveheart. Okay. All right. What? It has to do with one of his favorite movies. Oh, okay. It's a sore spot for him. Oh. <laughs> well, there's a separate story there we're going to yep. have to suss out. Some other day. Tyson Ruickian for Jeff Forte and Master Control. What about you, sir? Oh, me and my brothers, we had we used to love going to Blockbuster back in the day, and we would always buy video games. And we there's one video game that we might have held on to a bit too long, and Blockbuster was calling our house every single day wanting that game back. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, can we speak with a uh, Joey?" And then my dad would call down, "Hey, Joey, Joey's my brother," and he go, "Hey, Joey, uh, I think Blockbuster's on the phone for you," and he's like. Tell them I'm not here. <laughs> He's like, well, they, they want this video game. And they're like, tell, us, tell them that we, we, that we don't have it. And that went on for weeks. Weeks went on to months. But guess who got the last laugh in the end? We still have that video game. You still have it. Oh, yeah, you outlasted my, them. That yeah. was the plan. <laughs> my, brother's, my brother's got it in his house with the receipt still in it. Expect a phone call from an Oregon uh, uh, area code today because isn't the last uh, b- blockbuster in Oregon somewhere? I think it's there, yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, that confession may come back to haunt you, Ruicky. Oh, they're not getting it back. <laughs> What's the game? I think it was uh, Mafia 2. Where you're just a member of the Italian mafia. So oh, okay. Sounds dark. Um, <laughs> Loren, what about you? Well, I mentioned I have these Star Wars DVDs that I've had for about five years. I need to return in a box in our storage room. I have old classical pian- music piano books that were borrowed from the, pi- the band teacher back in, I don't know, 1990. I should return those. But it's not so much a story of borrowing as... Back in, oh, around 2005, 2006, one of my best friends came to stay with me in Toronto, and she left her necklace. Like, a, like we were wearing a lot of those beaded, like, big, heavy, chunky necklaces, and she left it at my place. And I said, I'll get – and then she went back to Ottawa. And so she's, you know, 500 kilometers away, and I said, I'll get that to you sometime. But, of course, I don't put it in the mail, and I, I don't do anything with it, and I don't touch it. And it's months and months and months later. Go to work. Come home. And I get a phone call from her and she says, I like that brown top you were wearing today. And I was like, oh, thanks. She's like, that necklace looked good with it too. 
And I start laughing because, you know, I wore her necklace on TV for my job with Global National. And she caught me out saying, am I ever going to get that back? And I was like, well, look, you just said it looked good on me. And she's like, I want my necklace back. <laughs> and so here I am thinking like, you know, I'm all sly wearing something that belongs to someone else and then wearing it on national television. So I got busted hard for that. That is uh, that is <laughs> courageous. <laughs> I just forgot. It's like I wore it and forgot what my job is. And then the phone rang like at 6.02. I like that necklace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I showed up this morning and uh, looked on my desk at work and was like, where is my pen? And oh, I knew, I knew exactly where to look for it. <laughs> do you know, yesterday I, I was walking over to Braun to say, do, where do you get pens now? I don't know where one gets pens in that newsroom. There used to be a I, have, there's, I know closet. where the stash is, Lorraine. Yeah, I don't know. So I got up and I was about to say, like, where am I going for this pen? And I turned around <laughs> and like, it was like a spotlight on your desk. <laughs> Was oh, there's a green one of those great green pens I think we got from the little people um, of Manitoba. Little people, they're such great pens. I love them. Yeah. And so I took it, and I felt didn't feel bad about it. I, as I was doing it, I was like, I hope he walks in the room right Loren, now. have you off his did you not read Shakespeare? Neither a borrower nor a lender be. Oh, like the solar vortex story. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> All right, Mackling, what about you? Okay, so Daryl, I want my Triumph the Comic Dog CD back. Uh, that goes back to 2006. <laughs> I can't find it anywhere, and I know I gave it to you. Colin, you're forgiven. Wayne's World, this goes back to 1998. I know I lent it to you <laughs> after a drinking party one night. Uh, you can keep that. And Brett McGarry, I apologize, but I still have your uh, <clears throat> Guns of the South book. It uh, sits on my nightstand. One third red. Oh, may, may, I, may I keep it until I? Yeah, as long as I know where it is. Include reading it. So I apologize for that. And uh, is there anything worse than when you're looking for said DVDs? You find the case and you open it. You're all excited, and the disc is not inside. You think you've found, you know, something that has been lost for a long time. There's evidence that you had it once upon a time. You weren't making it up. (laughs) But then you open up the case and the CD or the DVD is missing. I I hate that. And you don't know whether it's because you lent it to someone or you put it in a different case. And now I've got 400 cases to go through looking for it. Or it's it's in one of my $49 DVD players. Yeah. So 204-780-6868, something you borrowed and held on to for too long or something you lent out and haven't gotten back. Guns of the South, by the way, author Harry Turtledove, I believe is the author's name, speculative fiction book that reimagines the Civil War. Right. As in, like, it's a science fiction book where I think a South African slavers from the future go back in time and give an arm the South with machine guns. Correct. So it sounds kooky, but it's quite fascinating. No, and there is some there is some uh, actual history tied into the story. It's yeah. really really cool. It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb after Global News at seven thirty. The Couch Potatoes. Assemble to tell you about one of the biggest movies of all time returning to the big screen this weekend to celebrate its 25th anniversary. So that's coming up next half hour. And in a moment, we're going to continue the 680 CJOB Health Series for Body Measure on how whole foods can benefit your mental health. But before that, we're asking you to tell us about something you borrowed 
and held on to for too long, or perhaps something that you lent to someone and maybe never got back. What does Kevin say? This is so funny that you're talking about overdue library books. We were looking at our books downstairs and noticed that my wife has not one, but three library books from her high school. (laughs) She graduated in 2003. Okay. And Jeff says, after losing many VHS movies to borrowers, I now draw the line and say no to anyone who asks to borrow any of my Looney Tunes DVDs (laughs) or Rocky and Bullwinkle collections. Yes, call me a mean old Grinch. Hey, man, if you don't want to lose them, then yeah, just don't lend them out. I'm amazed at people who have these DVDs and VHS. Like, do they have machines to play them? Do you guys still have, like, a Blu-ray or VHS? Oh, yeah. Oh. I I still actually have a VCR. It's not plugged in. It's just sitting in a box. But I have a VCR, and uh, I have a 4K uh, Blu-ray player. And I have a combo. I can actually transfer the VHS to DVD because that's the latest and greatest technology is DVD. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how DVDs, when they first came out, they they just blew my mind. And now Mm -hmm. when I pop in a DVD... So it looks, primitive. Yeah, it looks. It doesn't look all that great. So, yeah, it's funny how things evolve. So keep those stories coming for a chance to win tickets for one night with the King, three Elvis champions, one night, May 4th, Club Regent Event Center. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It's time for the CJOB Hell Series, presented by Body Measure. So we know how important it is to talk to someone when you feel like you're struggling with your mental health. Counseling, medication, if necessary, And more can give you the tools you need to manage. But there are also other steps we can all take when it comes to improving our mental health. QR Calgary's Dave McIver takes a look at how improving our diets with whole foods can help. During the pandemic, the Canadian Mental Health Association say they saw an increase in people reporting that they were struggling more than usual with their mental health. Sarah Jordan is the executive director of the Canadian Mental Health Association for the Calgary region. What we saw in an early study uh, in partnership with our Canadian Mental Health Association National Office and the University of British Columbia early on in the pandemic is that uh, almost all, you know, I want to say seven out of eight Canadians reported struggling with their mental health. As more and more people seek to improve their mental health, research done in 2022 called the Nutritional Treatments, the next frontier in psychiatry suggests that a whole foods diet rich in micronutrients can also help people improve their mental health. Dr. Bonnie Kaplan is Professor Emerita at the University of Calgary and co-authored this study. She says avoiding ultra-processed food and eating whole foods rich in nutrients can help improve mental health. Uh, what all the research shows is what our ancestors knew uh, because there's nothing new under the sun. There are just new ways to prove it. And so you can go back 100 years and find all kinds of references saying that if someone is showing... Um, exhibiting mental health symptoms, they're not eating very well, feed them better. I mean, the diagnosis with suboptimal nutrition, it's foundational. It's not the only thing that matters for mental health, but it is the foundation. In fact, I'll give you a very concrete example. We all know that um, mental health problems can be traced to early trauma, child abuse, all kinds of problems. These are very real. And there is nothing about the nutrition research that contradicts that, although we have shown improved resilience, ability to cope with those horrible things uh, in life with improved nutrition. You see, our brain cells 
need those nutrients every day to function optimally. And then we can make use of the skills that we've been taught. We can make use of the coping mechanisms, etc. So the bottom line is the bottom <laughs> foundation, okay? Good nutrition is the foundation of good mental health, but it doesn't solve everything all by itself. So what types of foods should we be eating? Now, just so that you understand before we talk about what types of food to eat, um, there's no black and white, probably on any issue, but certainly not in nutrition. And so it's not that food is good or bad, but there are whole foods, real foods, unprocessed foods, and that's the fruits and the veggies and the meats and the eggs and the cheeses and so forth that are typically considered to be part of a whole foods Mediterranean style diet. And then over at the far end of the continuum is what our society is putting in their mouths. And that is the ultra processed um, chemical packaged products, which have no vitamins and minerals. They have the macronutrients of proteins, fats, and carbs, but they have no vitamins and minerals. They don't have the good fats. They don't have the phytonutrients. They do not feed the cells in your brain and your body. In between, there's some very decent food. For example, applesauce you can buy in a jar. You don't have to make it from scratch. That is minimally processed. It might have a little bit of a preservative or it might have some cinnamon, which is a good thing, but it's not a chemical. So it's not black and white. But what we do know is that real food is what provides us with the nutrients we need. Dr. Kaplan is also here to dispel any myths that a whole foods diet is more expensive than one of processed foods. Research has shown that you can save as much as 20% of your budget if you learn to consume the foods which are uh, on the Mediterranean style diet that include things like the beans and legumes. I mean, lentils are so inexpensive and in our busy society, it's good to know that uh, you can you can prepare a lentil stew in like 20 or 30 minutes. They cook so fast. That's the way to save as much as 20%. So people think it's cheaper to eat the ultra processed stuff because they walk up to a vending machine and they spend only $2 at a time or $3 at a time. You don't spend 2 or $3 going into a grocery store and buying a can of black beans and, and some spinach, you know, which you can make a stew out of. But you're putting out more than $2 at a time. And that, that stew that you make will be so much healthier for you and will last several meals, but you're putting out more than $2 at a time. For the 2023 Health Series, I'm Dave McIver. My first instinct with the story was that it sounds great, but it would be more expensive to live this Mediterranean style diet. But she made a good point about, you know, having those beans, those lentils, the, the legumes, everything that comes in the can might not be as inexpensive. My problem with this is that I think it requires more fish, no? More fish, less red meat and chicken. And that is, that's harder for me to do. But I like the idea of what they're saying. And uh, I think all my meal last night was processed, Brett. So I'm in trouble. <music> Okay, listen to this crazy story on the subject of borrowing things that you held on to for too long or things that you lent to somebody and haven't gotten back. Ron and Lorette says, my roommate took my birthstone ring that my mom had bought for me for my 16th birthday. I didn't know that he took it. Years later, I got it back when that roommate told another friend of mine on the side 
told the story of how he took this ring, but he didn't know. The thief did not know that the guy he was telling was a friend of the guy he took the ring from. Small town Manitoba strikes again. So the, 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 the friend who was learning this news, he made him give him the ring and so that he could return it to its rightful owner. Wow. Who takes someone's ring like that? In a, like that's a bizarre roommate situation, no? Yeah, and, and then to hang on to it for years. Yeah, like yeah. it means nothing to you. Like it, I, if you're going to take it and sell it or something, I'm not that that makes it right, but you know, say your times were tough. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way I would be like forgiving of this. Well, like Liz says, uh, I lent a computer to a coworker and they sold it. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. That's so bad, Liz. Sorry. It is funny. In but, but at least they. At least there, did they remember that they had boarded it? Or did they think that they had had this laptop? Oh, I've got this extra laptop lying around. <laughs> where did this come from? I have an extra I one. Reco- I can't recall where this, and especially, like, it depends when that time was. But laptops are much cheaper now than they used to be. Sure. I took out a loan for a laptop in university. It was $3,800. Oh, wow. Or thirty four. I can't remember. It was a ton of money. That's I can't be right. Am I remembering that correctly? That seems insane as that came out of my mouth. That's but I still, definitely wouldn't pay I that now. I took out a loan. I yeah. definitely took out a loan. And we've got one here mackling on the subject of Valentine's Day. <clears throat> this is very romantic. I borrowed my roommate's ex-boyfriend for Valentine's 24 years ago. So I wasn't alone on Valentine's Day. Still haven't given him back. <laughs> we're still, we're just, the one thing we're trying to investigate yes. is whether or not this purse, the boyfriend was... Already the ex-boyfriend or is became the ex as a result of this, this little the, dalliance. Because we might have some bad point. roommates out there. We need some roommate stories. <laughs> this, is, this is going taking rings and boyfriends? My goodness. Is it the same one? Maybe it's the guy in Lorette took the ring and the boyfriend. Who knows? Uh, so keep those stories coming for a chance to win tickets for One Night with the King. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are going to tell you what is new at the movies and what's old is new again in a big way. But before that, reminder to tell us about something that you borrowed from somebody and held on to for too long or something that you lent to somebody and maybe never got back or took a while to get one back. And we got a good one here, Mackling, from Christina. My brother bought me a Yeti cooler for my wedding gift two years ago. Year later, after looking around everywhere in my house, could not find the cooler for the life of me. Well, last summer, my brother and I went to the beach, and lo and behold, what do I see? Him wheeling the same cooler in the sand. His excuse was, I was just borrowing it. It's such a good cooler. You get a lot of use out of it for years to come. <laughs> you know what happened there is he bought it just so that he could have yes. it for himself. Correct. By getting it as a gift for somebody. Sure. That helped him justify the cost because those things cost like 400 bucks. That's right. Minimum. They're really remarkable, though, how cold they keep things. I don't have one, but I know people who do, and it's it's in, it's crazy how good they are. Yeah, like I'm looking at one with, if it's a, if she said he was wheeling it, I'm looking at one that's $600. I was going to say that one's about 600 yeah. Yeah, there's ones that are even, there's one here for 1350 Yeah, if you want to see them, go to Lux Barbecue. Uh, Phil Squarey and the gang, they have those. Yeah? Yes, sir. Yeah. All the you yeti You've got to be stuff. a serious, like, camper or picnicker or 
boater or something to, for that though. Yeah. You or, know, or going somewhere where like you won't be able to access ice for a couple of days. Good point. It's a good point you make. I've been trying to justify it in my house. <laughs> it's not going over well. <laughs> Have a social for it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could do that. <laughs> Help Greg get a Yeti. Come to our social. Uh, so tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win some tickets to see One Night at the ki- one night with the King. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. In the meantime, the couch potatoes are here. Hi, Jeff Braun. Morning. I bet you you're excited for this one. It is back in theaters. It's the 25th anniversary of... Listen to me. I've got you. I won't let go. Titanic, isn't it? Time to let go, Jack. The Ship of Dreams. And it was. It really was. Yes, Titanic. Now, the original release date was December 19th, but Cameron wanted it for Valentine's Day, heading into the Valentine's Day week, because it's a love story, and in the original release, its biggest single day was Valentine's Day. And of course, this Avatar sequel came out in December, so why compete with yourself? And it has been remastered this time in 4K 3D. Jeff, I know you love, love, love this movie, but didn't you just watch it recently? I did. I watched it over the Christmas holidays, and because I didn't know about this. If I would have known about this, I would have held off at Christmas and gone to see it in theaters this week, and but I don't know that I can watch it again so soon. It's only been, I don't know, like six weeks since I saw it. So uh, I would say if you've not never seen Titanic in theaters, if you were too young or whatever, for whatever reason, missed it in uh, 97, 98, definitely go see it. It's a, it's a good big screener. Loren, might you, we're of the same vintage. Might you have gone to see this on yeah. uh, Valentine's Day? I don't know if it was Valentine's Day, but I, I definitely saw it in theaters. I'm actually more surprised that this is a, a favorite of yours, Jeff. I don't know why. Oh, I don't. I like boat movies. Is it the boat? Or the, you like boat movies, not romances. I, I, I just uh, the from the moment the boat hits the uh, iceberg until ship, the Jeff. end credits. It's uh, it's just a masterpiece. It's a it's just it's. I'm just so impressed with the filmmaking of it. It's, it was a huge deal back then. It's still impressive even yep. all these years later because, I mean, there's obviously some CGI in it, but they really built, like, the back half of the Titanic and sank it a thousand times while they were shooting the movie. Yeah, so. they still have it yeah, in Mexico. It's, you it's can cool. go and see it. Just south of San Diego near Ensenada, you can go and see that boat. I remember I did go see this on Valentine's Day in 1998. Uh, it was So I got to the box office at Kildonan Place at noon when it opened, thinking, okay, I'll go get get my tickets early. I'm being smart. Well, there were 50 guys doing the exact same thing. So I had to stand in line for an hour just to get my tickets because they didn't have multiple self-serve wickets. And you couldn't, of course, buy your tickets online. So we had to get there. I had to get there at noon to buy the tickets. And then, the, I don't know, let's say the movie started at 7. So we probably got there at like 4.30 to try to get decent seats and still ended up with like crappy fourth row seats. But uh yeah, it was a big deal going to see Titanic. Kildonan in Place, is that where you said you saw it? I saw it at Portage Place, and I think I might have been wooing someone at that point in time and in February of 98. Oh, yeah? And went around Valentine's Day. So, yeah, good memories. Thanks, guys. Did it, did, were you successful? In, in wooing oh, said person? No, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Titanic is out. That's pretty cool. Also new this weekend, Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek Pinot star in. I don't dance anymore. Then I can claim that I got Magic Mike's Last Dance. Magic Mike's Last Dance. 
The first one came out in 2012. The second one in 2015. I have not seen any of these Magic Mike movies. Jeff, have you seen any of them? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. Loren? Yeah, I saw the first one, and I didn't get why there needed to be a sequel. Not because it was bad. I actually thought it was quite good. Yeah. And not just because he's, you know, well, he's quite good. But <laughs> <laughs> Would you say he's magic? I would say, you know what? He's great. But uh, I didn't, I just, I didn't, I don't get the continuing story here. So I don't know. I, do I have to see the second one to understand the third? I doubt it. Yeah, it would sounds like, uh, and even in the write-up, it almost sounds like they take a shot at the the sequel because they, they say um, the creative team from the original uh, critically and commercially praised Magic Mike are back together. So it's implying that this, the team that did the second one didn't know what they were doing. Interesting. So they, they, the same team has come back. He's basically doing like a last hurrah. Uh, I mean, he's an excellent dancer, and he used to mm-hmm. be a stripper in real life. Yeah. You know, he can dance. It, it's good. <laughs> he's a good dancer. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember what movie I was going to see. It was uh, when we used to work at Polo Park, so I just walked over to the movie theater on a Friday or whatever to watch something, and Magic Mike was playing. <laughs> and the lineup... To get into that th- to get into that screen, it was full of like two hundred hungry-looking women, <laughs> and I thought, I think I'm going to see the wrong movie here. I should probably be in that lineup. <laughs> yeah, and the big screen, uh, larger than life, right? Yeah, uh, there you go. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, should also mention just quickly here that uh, you season four on Netflix, season four, part one is out. It debuted yesterday. This is about a a guy who he's a hopeless romantic on the surface, but underneath he is an obsessive stalker, kidnapper, killer. And I I love this show because you find yourself liking him and you know you shouldn't. Loren, I think you watch this show, yeah? Yeah, I watched the first three seasons and when you told me yesterday that it was coming out on Netflix season four, I watched an episode and a half. Yeah. And... I don't know. I like. I, I loved. I loved the show, but you know, you just sort of get. I, I'm tired of him being so awful. Yeah. You're like you know, you get to the point where like here he goes again. You not <laughs> learn your lesson, like you idiot. Like. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I I did watch the entire uh, fourth season on preview from Netflix. I I thought it was cool. And I'll just ask, ask quickly here, Jeff. Uh, have you ever watched any of the Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix? No, I have not. Uh, I, the only thing close to that I've watched is uh, the the movie Ford versus Ferrari. I don't think that counts. <laughs> Greg, what about you? I have. And I uh, may be one of the few people that haven't subsequently become addicted to F1 yeah. racing on TV. It, it, I love behind the scenes stuff like that. So this uh, this next thing you're going to tell us about, I'm really looking forward to. Is it out yet or does it come out Wednesday? It comes out Wednesday the 15th. It's from the same team behind Formula One Drive to Survive, which, by the way, fifth season of that is out on the 24th of February. But on the 15th, it's Full Swing, the golf documentary. Uh, and it just so happens that while they were shooting this documentary the whole live golf tour thing kind of fell on their lap so they ended up having access to this one of the most compelling stories in sports i don't think they quite stuck the landing on that front but overall it was a pretty good show so that debuts on the 15th jeff braun are you gonna what do you think are you gonna go see titanic uh no i'm definitely not i've uh all my uh bonus movie money movies i don't have to see for work all that money's going to the mechanic these days so i'm gonna pass Uh, on titanic bonus money that's not even a thing. 
Jeff Braun is the co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Thank you very much, Mr. Braun. Couch Potatoes podcast is now available at cjob.com, or you can listen to the show Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6 and 680 CJOB. And on the subject of the Couch Potatoes, Kevin the Garbage Man has a borrowing lending story that ties into us. An amazing story of returning a DVD. I lent the movie Hoffa to a co-worker, and three days later, he gave it back. Oh. <laughs> Kevin says... Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Hoffa actually turned up quickly in that sense. <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. It is Friday, which means after Global News at 9, it's our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand, the host and anchor of Global News Morning, joins us every Friday just after 9 o'clock. At 8.35, we're going to tell you about an exciting event that makes its debut today or its return today debut of the event for this year dine about winnipeg it runs from february 10th to february 26th it's a great way to enjoy some of winnipeg's best restaurants at a bargain price so we'll tell you more about that at 8 35 but right now we want to touch on something that has already made headlines as the largest snow maze in the world now the amaze in snow which in the summer and fall is the amazing corn is adding a little flavor to the attraction. Yeah, Sub-Zero Restaurant. How would you like to dine in the snow? Because coming to this attraction very soon is a restaurant. Clint Moss of Amazing Corn and Ziplines joins us now. Good morning, Clint. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I was very excited to hear about this. I think this is such a cool concept for Manitoba. But walk us through what you're building out there. What's going on? Well, we're kind of trying out... uh I don't know if it's a new genre or kind of a twist on a genre, but we're trying out adventure dining at uh, the, uh, the snow maze this year. So what, what we've been doing over the years is, you know, kind of refining our abilities to make these, these snow buildings. And um, now we've stitched them all together. I think we have about 5,000 square feet in the complex. And uh, a portion of that is a snow bar. A portion of that is going to be the Den restaurant. The Den. So tell us a little bit more about this, Clint. What type of food will you be serving? Do I need to make a reservation? I've always wondered why we don't have a, a nice hotel in this part of the world, uh, something they do in Quebec and, and Sweden, a, a couple of examples. But this, I like. This is a good, shall I say, first step towards uh, an idea like that. Yeah, you exactly nailed it. I think that's kind of where the idea has come from because, I mean, Angie and I have been to the Ice Hotel in Quebec several times, and we were just not sure if Manitobans, you know, we we have to get in cold cars all the time, so maybe, just maybe, the Ice Hotel might be a little iffy, but, you know, we do like to eat. Manitobans have proven that that, uh, they do like to eat, so... Why not at least first step it and and try, uh, you know, kind of a high class uh, ice restaurant. You know, it's funny, Clint, we spend so much time as Winnipeggers, as Manitobans complaining about winter. It's part of the fun. It's part of the, the, the annual ritual. And yet. We seek it out if we if we go somewhere. Like I remember when we went to Las Vegas the, for the first time, and one of the first things we wanted to do was go to the ice bar. <laughs> so we, we we left Winnipeg to escape the cold, go to a warmer place, only to find the coldest place there. Uh, so even though we we love to hate winter, there is something about enjoying it in a unique environment like the one that you are creating. 
Well, and that's what, like, hey, you know, snow's going to be here, and uh, we can either enjoy it or we can begrudge it. And if we enjoy it, then guess what? Winter's shorter, and, and winter's a time of enjoyment, not just a total season of regret. So, I mean, my staff, and, and we're out there every day, and we're actually enjoying it. So we want to kind of spread the love, the snow love, and uh, hopefully um, WOW Entertainment is, is uh, combined on the food, and so they're bringing their expertise to it. You don't want the snow build guys to make you any food, but uh, the WOW <laughs> people sure can pull it off. Okay, so I'm looking at some pictures, Clint, but I'd like if you could just to describe, you know, if you're walking into the den, it's it's completely sort of dark inside because, of course, there's not a lot of windows, but you do have light, you have candles, you have the bar that's made out of ice, the tables are made out of snow, um, the entire building is snow, and then, you know, you're going to be putting food down on ice. So just describe to me the experience that you hope to present to people. Okay, so there's been some challenges with that. Like, tonight's our first night. Um so what we've done with uh, the table you're actually at, it's, it's, a, it's a deck of ice. It's uh, six inches thick and five feet long. So you're going to be sitting shoulder to shoulder with the friends or family who you bring. And, um, but we put a wood, char- what we call a charger plate, I think. That's what my wife calls them. I'm not sure. It's just a big slab of, of wood that we've oiled. And we've, um, that's where your plate's going to go because, of course, if you put hot food on that ice, it's just going to freeze down. So we, there's unique challenges with that. And you know, even wine glasses, we're trying to figure out, okay, we can't polish the ice too clear because guess what? Your ice is going to slide down to your, to your husband and he's going to drink it on you. So we got to <laughs> do some, some creative stuff. Well, this menu looks absolutely spectacular. So you mentioned tonight is the first night. Is it sold out for tonight? Yeah, tonight we're actually a little bit oversold because it was our first night. So, so we got to put some parameters on it. It's kind of we just did friends and family night because it's a it's a first time try. Like we haven't fed people like kind of a multi course high class meal in an ice snow building ever before. So, so we capped it at um, we wanted to stay around sixty, and we're over eighty. I think is where we we landed. So, so it's. I think it's going to be really popular. So far, it's showing that way. And I, and I think, you know, much like um, what goes on in the Red River, uh, the, the um, raw almond, you know, they sell out very quickly. I, I'm going to assume once we get some momentum, that's going to happen here too, because we only have a Friday night, um, it's kind of a tapas um, menu. So it's a little cheaper and it's a little lighter and it's just multi-tapas menu. And then, then there's only one sitting on the Saturday night. That's it. That's all the people we take. So I think it's going to end up selling out quickly just because of the limited capacity that we have. We got to get out here, Clint. But how do we get, how do we book ourselves a seat for, for future days? Yeah, it's the Den Restaurant. Just go Den Restaurant online, and um, that's the only way to book. Clint Moss from Amazing Corn, Amazing Snow, and now the Den Restaurant. Congratulations on another what sounds like amazing adventure. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. You discover a library book in your house that is 30 years overdue. What do you do? 42% say, I keep it. 
34% say I take it to the library and explain myself. 24% say I drop it in the slot and run. And that story <laughs> of somebody, a woman who returned a book 33 years later in Winnipeg, has uh, inspired our contest question today. What's something that you borrowed and held on to for way too long, or maybe you still have it, or something you lent out and took a while to get it back, or maybe don't, you don't have it back? Jennifer's got a good one. Yeah, this is sort of a swap shop meets the personal ad. So we are looking for somebody named Alana in this particular instance. In university, I had the chance to rework an assignment to improve my mark. I borrowed one of my classmates' papers only if I would get it back to her. It was our final year of education, and I never had the paper on me at the right time to return it to her. Alana is her name. I've kept the last name out of it. I thought maybe that's a little too personal. Maybe the start can hook us up. I still have your paper and safekeeping in my file cabinet. 27 years <laughs> later, I'd love to follow through on my promise. Grad class 1996. <laughs> All right. Good for you for hanging on to it like that with the hope of one day reuniting it with its owner. So we're going to pick a winner at 9.15. Text us a story for a chance to win two tickets for one night with the King. Three Elvis champions. One night, May 4th, Club Regent Event Center. With Valentine's Day around the corner, maybe you're looking to head out to a nice restaurant. And restaurants, no doubt, are excited too because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is pretty much going to be the first like normal Valentine's Day in three years? Yeah. Sounds right to me. For sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there's a tremendous event that might help you along. It's going on and it will save you money. Who doesn't like that? Dine About Winnipeg is back. It runs from today through to February 26th. And for more on this year's event, we're joined by the publisher of Chow Magazine, Lori Hughes. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. Nice to have you back. Nice to be speaking about this and, and conversing about dining out again. For those that don't know, what is Dine About Winnipeg? Yes, thank you for having me on and giving me the opportunity to uh, spread the word with you. Um, today marks the day that top restaurants unite for the return of Winnipeg's most anticipated culinary event of the year. Um, restaurants showcase their well-loved signature dishes combined as three course meals delivered at a great price and these multi-course meal deals are designed to make it super easy for enthusiastic diners to try new dishes and some new places beyond what they already know beyond the familiar what what's behind that desire to make it in your in your words super easy what what are you trying to do in terms of is it about because where we all stick to the restaurants we know or we stick to the meals we know or what is it well, I think a little bit of both. I think we are creatures of habit and, you know, people are excited about socializing and going out to restaurants. Restaurants are, are seeing that people are coming back. But what happens is we get into our routines and we go to the places that we know. But the challenge is a lot of the restaurants are small to midsize and they can't seat everybody at the, at the tables at the same time. So, you know, sometimes it's great to have some new favorites in our back pocket to try and you know winnipeg is we're spoiled for riches here you know we uh we've got so many great choices and we've we we our our city's restaurant culture is vibrant and uh this is a way to be able to really um, encourage people to um, get out and try something new well and it's a mixed bag of you know sort of more like down down 
to or I don't know the term I'm looking for. I would say down to earth, like a like a comfy place, like the Oak, Oakwood Cafe is on there, or our friends are right across the street over at Bailey's, and uh, a place like that might be price prohibitive for somebody to go to typically to enjoy a three course meal. But looking at Bailey's, like forty nine dollars uh, for like that's yeah, that's a bit of chunk of change, but really for a full course meal, that's not bad. Well, I think one of the things we've all come to realize in these last few months is that um, costs are through the roof and for food, that is, and well, everything, <laughs> but, but uh, nobody knows that more than restaurants. And so restaurants want to um, encourage people to, to try them out and to enjoy what they love to do. And honestly, we have it good here. I mean, so many cities in other parts of the country have got completely different prices points on their menus and so in, unless you've sort of encountered that you don't even realize on a regular day how great Winnipeg Winnipeggers have it but no doubt three course meals and there's a range of price points that you can um, that you can plug into the some meals are set at $19 29 39 and 49 so there's there's plenty to choose from and you know, there's qu- plenty of cuisines to choose from that are that are representing, um, you know, global flavors. You know, this is very reflective of Winnipeg's multicultural population. And again, like I say, we are we are very we're very spoiled here in what we have every day. You, you, you raise a really good point here with regard to uh, Winnipeg's embarrassment of riches on the restaurant scene, Lori. Colin Coward is one of my favorite sports broadcasters, and I'll never forget about seven years ago, he had a conversation about the Super Bowl being in Indianapolis and, and, and why it's not a great thing. Because if you ask people in Indianapolis what their favorite restaurant is, it's one of three places. And I think here in Winnipeg, if you ask people what their favorite or what the best restaurant in Winnipeg is, you might have 12, 13, 14, 20 different places that people would write in and say, this is the best restaurant in Winnipeg. And you know what? The great thing is they'd all be right. Because, you know, we, we love different restaurants for different occasions and for different reasons, for sometimes for very specific dishes. And, you know, the, the one thing that, um, you know, I, 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 I'm um, very, very privileged because I do this for a living. The best places in Winnipeg are what we scope out and what we celebrate on the pages of Chow Magazine. So much like that, Dine About Winnipeg showcases the best of the city, and we're trying a lot of great places. And uh, this is but a, but a glimpse of them that are part of this Dine About Winnipeg promotion. And just as a sidebar, these, these restaurant weeks that combine meals like this, three-course meals, came from um, an idea that that stemmed from New York um, Democratic Convention years ago. And so now cities around, the, around North America and particularly use this, this bundling, this package of, um, you know, meal, full meal deals as a way to sort of give the restaurant industry a boost at a time of year they need it. But it's such a great win-win for diners at the same time. I'm a little bit miffed because it's right around this time of day, Lori, that I get hungry. And now I've been cruising the Dine About Winnipeg menu to see what's on the list for all these great restaurants. And man, there's some good stuff on here. And, and you know, you mentioned a time of year when business isn't as busy. So February, is that typically, you know, a, a harder month for people to get out? Is that the post-Christmas blues or, or what? Because I think around Valentine's Day, you might see an uptick. 
Yes, exactly. We 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 time it in February because January is is the tough month, and so um, including for restaurants, they kind of are recovering after the busy holiday season. By February, a lot of people who um, are used to going out and dining out sort of uh, throw throw their um, their um, notions of staying inside, to, you know, to the side and go, we're, we're sick of staying in. It's time to get back out there and enjoy Win- Winnipeg in the winter. And, you know, this is, we, we're, we're a city that's really celebrating winter these days as well. So February seems to be, it hits the mark. This year, it does cross over and includes Valentine's Day. Some of the restaurants have very specific menus that they've showcased for Valentine's Day themselves. So you'd want to check that out before you make reservations um we we just ask that people do make reservations just like you wouldn't want to show up at your at your friend's place for dinner without them knowing so let them know you're coming and let them know that you're excited to come for dine about that's what that's what we ask the community to do you can get more information on Dine About Winnipeg at chowwinnipeg.com. That's C-I-A-L-O winnipeg.com. Lori Hughes is the publisher of Chow Magazine. Thank you so much, Lori. This sounds wonderful. Just looking at all these uh, menu ideas, I'm in the same boat as Loren. I'm uh, now very, very hungry. And I'm looking at the banana that I brought to work, and I just want to throw it against the wall because I'm mad. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't have that. <laughs> I want this Mexican street corn so bad from Sadlery on the market. Market, so I'm like making a list of things that I'm going to try out this week. Well, and it gets even better because there are pictures of some of these delectable yeah. dishes that we're already seeing. So we've posted those on our social media account for those who aren't already following. Also, Chow Winnipeg is where you'll find them. So, uh, so if, if people want to get a little bit of a visual of some of those dishes, they can they can go have a look at at them on our um, on our Instagram and Facebook feeds. All right, Lori Hughes, thank you very much for joining us. Have a good weekend and have fun the next couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you. You too. I hope you get out and there's enough time to get to the mall, guys. Okay. Lori Hughes, publisher of Chow <laughs> Magazine. <laughs> Dine About Winnipeg runs from today until the 26th of February. And indeed, like if you want to try, go to, to a place that you might normally say, man, it's a little pricey. This is the time to do it. Looking at some of these some of these places, I know how much it costs to eat at them and like 40 bucks for a three-course meal at some of these places. You won't beat these deals. Yeah, and we're guilty. We're all guilty. Even when we go away, we have our favorite places in Vegas, in Mexico. We go to these places because we feel comfortable. Get out of your comfort zone. Oh, and Mackling mentioned there are three places in Indianapolis that they someone might say are their favorite. I'm curious to know what those are. We'll find out after we check traffic and weather. On Don't the say Chi Chi's. <laughs> it's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got tickets to give away in three minutes' time for C4 Kaboto Center Comic Con. Just before that, we're going to find out the three restaurants that everybody in Indianapolis will say are their favorites, the only three, because that sounds boring. Not the, the the fact we're going to learn it, but that that's that's <laughs> the only only three restaurants. Come on! But before that, we just wanted to quickly revisit something, and you can read more about it at cjob.com. Loren, we're going to be talking a lot on this station and on Global about allergies. Yeah, and there's a growing number of Canadians with allergies. They might be seasonal, or they might be food allergies, and they might be really deeply concerning. So Global's Marnie Blunt has been speaking to allergists across this country about the lack of expertise. There's only 
250 board-certified allergists in Canada. Most of them are in their larger city centres in Manitoba. All 10 allergists are in Winnipeg. And so if you're someone who's gone through a reaction, like say you had that rash or that difficulty breathing and you thought, oh my gosh, I'm severely allergic to whatever the food item is, what do you do while you wait for that allergist? And, And this has been a problem for years. My son is an anaphylactic allergy to peanuts. And he made, we made that discovery when we gave him peanut butter at 10 months old. And we then rushed him to the ER after he had a full rash and wheezing and all the rest. And we waited six months to see the allergist, who was wonderful. He's wonderful. But in that six months, you were stressed wondering what might be going on with your kid and, and, and what, is there other things at play? And so I'm curious, what is the advice for someone who's waiting for the allergist, Greg? Because I believe, I'm trying to re- recall, but I believe we then went to a family doctor who then prescribed the EpiPen. But if I'm someone who's had a reaction or my kids had a reaction and I'm waiting for the diagnosis, can anyone just go into a pharmacy and say, please give me an EpiPen because I'm not sure and have that as the backup plan? Because waiting a long six months to find out that you might be deathly allergic to an item, but not necessarily knowing what that item is, is terrifying. That's a really great question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm fortunate enough that uh, my kids don't have any food allergies, but we know enough people that do, yourself included, Loren. And I just, you know, that's just a really difficult situation. Uh, Not only the testing that takes place in order to determine uh, whether or not there's a food allergy, but then to determine exactly which food it is your kid's allergic to that has to be uh, trying and then also isn't there a round of testing that happens to find out if maybe your kid has grown out of that allergy yeah so the process is then and when we go to the allergist once a year and they they do that pin prick test um and then it shows you know where they pit they poke it in peanuts and uh oil and they poke it in you know hazelnut oil anyway they then they then they send him for blood tests to find out if he's potentially able to challenge um, that item. And for some kids, it's successful, and some it's not. So it's a process, right? And for some, it's a lifelong process to have that lack of expertise. Uh, what are we going to do about that? I know it's on the long list of things, Brett, of um, ec- experts and specialists we need in this province. And now we're adding allergists to that one as well. You can read more on this at cjob.com. You'll hear more about it through the day. And very quickly, Mackling, you said Indianapolis is bad for the Super Bowl because they only have three restaurants that people would say would be their favorites. What are those three St. restaurants? St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Okay. Ruth's Chris, which is a chain. And I can't remember the third one, so I'm letting you down a little bit here. Ah, but okay. the point was, your city's not big enough to hold an event like this. If um, like a vast majority of people can only name one of three restaurants as your best restaurant. And when you compare TripAdvisor's list in Indianapolis to Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's is way more diverse. It's, it's pretty oh. impressive. Those steaks are expensive at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Oh, yes. They're not Holy cheap. Holy cow. It's $72 steak. <laughs> like, is it the whole cow? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Last chance to text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win yourself a couple of tickets for one night with the king. Three Elvis champions, one night, May 4th, Club Regent Event Center. We're asking you about the things that you have borrowed and held on to for too long or the things you have lent out and are still waiting to get them back. 204-780-6868. In the meantime, it's Friday, just after 9 o'clock. Mackling, what does that mean? It means it's time to welcome into the studio our friend from down the hall, the anchor of Global News Morning, seen Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on CKND Television Channel 9, Cable 12, 
Gabrielle Marchand. One day, I aspire to be just like you. Who is my hero? They say never meet your heroes. I've met mine. It's Greg Mackling. And one day, I will live up to that standard of introduction for other folks. Anyway, hi. <laughs> well, that was anticlimactic. What just happened here? I feel like it was like Mackling left his Facebook open on his computer and he went in and... Or he read in and wrote on your page what you had to say about him this morning. <laughs> like some sort of bet. He's paying me. <laughs> I mean, very kind. He does do good introductions, Macklin. So we are <laughs> going to review some of the topics we discussed this week. This is what we like to do to head into head into the weekend. Uh, and Gabby, we've all, I think most of us probably have an old ratty old piece of clothing that we just refuse to lose. I do, do I do not have a ratty piece of clothing, Brett, but I do have a prom dress that I've taken with me. I cart it from city to city. I'm like that person who can't let go of their prom dress. I actually, recently it got taken over by mice. It belongs to the mice now. But <laughs> I was taking it from city to city, Saskatoon. It went to Lethbridge. It went back to Saskatoon. Then it went to Thunder Bay. It went to Victoria. It went to Winnipeg. Because I just want somebody to throw a party already where I can wear my prom dress. It was beautiful. It was sparkly. kind of looked like a mermaid. I just want somebody to throw a party. So I'd always encourage my friends, what if we had a really formal party? And then sometimes I put it on and like made myself a little makeshift sash. And then I, I sing the, you know, the Beauty Queen song. Yeah. Anyway, it makes me feel nice. But I then still, there was an incident and it got taken over by mice, so it's gone now. I still have my high school grad suit. I don't know why. You should how? have a formal party. <laughs> what, what do you mean, how? Like, wow. Like, oh, geez, that's incredible. I just sat in my closet for years. And out of curiosity, I, and of, I, I, I always thought, why are you keeping this suit? You're never going to be able to fit into this dumb thing again. But when I lost all that weight. You did? A couple of years ago, I thought, ah, I wonder if this thing will fit. And it was baggy. Oh wow! That's so. That, I mean, that 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 testament to had the fact that I had lost too much weight. I know I, I like at my at the low end, I was down to one eighty six, which was too low for me at six four. Um, I should be around two hundred, but uh, yeah, I was. It kind of made me feel <laughs> happy for a moment. Like, oh my god, I didn't think I'd ever be able to put this thing on again. How says the guy who has corduroy pants from nineteen ninety five that oh. his kids now wear? So I love really? corduroy. Yeah. Corduroy pants are great. They're oh, warm. Yeah. They're cozy. They look sleek. Are they back in? I think so. I mean, kids don't care anymore. Ask they Greg's kids. They don't care what's in. They don't care what's out. They wear what they want. They wear what's comfortable. What's old is new again. All those cliches apply. I've never met a generation of kids that could care less about what they're wearing. Really? Oh, yeah. Sneakers are important, but outside of that, I don't know. You know what, Lorraine? One time I wore socks with flip-flops to go to the liquor store, and I've never felt more youthful. It was actually because I couldn't find any other shoes, and I didn't want to take my socks off. But, Did uh, you say more youthful? Yeah, because you're was, right. You All the, the kids wear their socks with shoes. Yeah, I know. Sliders. Sliders. They don't Sliders. want to let your dogs show. I was told by a 16-year-old because you don't want to let your dogs show. And I'm like, are the dogs your feet? What are your dogs? Your yes. toes? Yeah, I think so. That's cute. I don't know. I'm not cool enough to know. Well, isn't it what is the, the the term? These dogs are barking like yes, when your feet are your feet. sore. Yeah. Okay. Whoa! I need to get with the times. Okay, wearing the socks with the sliders on purpose—that that tells me that these young people don't know what they're talking about. But you doing it to go to the LC, Gabby? Well, I needed that is some just gin. Classic, Gabby. <laughs> it was an emergency. <laughs> but wait, were they sliders or were they the flip flops with the toe? Like, would no. you cram your socks <laughs> in the toe, hobbling around? No, they were actually sliders. Thankfully, otherwise I would have fallen on my face. Socks and sliders, courtesy of Gabby's 
friends, gin and tonic. <laughs> One of the other things we uh, mentioned this week, we were talking about the weird things that scare us because, I mean, there is a, a genuinely serious story at globalnews.ca uh, talking about the fear of vomit. It's called emetophobia. And uh, if you want to read that, you can find it at cjob.com. It's really fascinating because I had no idea that was a thing. But it did inspire a lighter conversation about some of the weird things that kind of freak us out. And you've got a couple of good ones, Gabby. I have a lot. I have a really irrational fear of sharks that sparks from uh, uh, watching Jaws too young, then delving down the deep, I'm giving any dark, you a hug. deep dark hole of how Jaws started. Um, sharks in rivers. Look that one up, everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think about sharks in the bathtub sometimes. I think Not about sharks in the pool. Gabby. I think about them in Manitoba lakes because what if they made their way from the ocean down the river into the lake? <laughs> Greg's bowing at me, Lauren, just so you know. And then I have an irrational fear of space and also robots. So hopefully no robot <laughs> sharks in space. <laughs> Like you don't like outer space? Oh yeah, it's too big. It's too big to fathom, and I don't want to think about it. It's the ocean. Oh, it's, it's it, the it, 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 the bit, space is ocean. It's just why is it so large? Now I'm no bowing to, to you. It? You are you are the queen of this conversation. Robot S- space sharks is, in space and space is ocean. Everybody think about that. Yeah, you know, and when you when I do actually think about space that way, infinity, it, it does. Yeah, it's because it, yeah. there's a line in the movie, the Star Wars movie Rogue One, and where someone says, "What happens if this doesn't work?" And he says, "Well, then we'll be shot and face annihilation in the the, the endless expanse of space." <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> when you put it that way, it's just horrifying. It is horrifying, and then you think of the ocean and Megalodon, the enormous shark that lives down there. <laughs> And we're all in trouble. Oh, Gabby, I've 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 never found you more charming than you ha- like in the last seven minutes. This is wonderful. You'd find me you more charming are- if I was wearing socks and sandals right now. Think about <laughs> I that. Was, I was just thinking you two are going to go on vacation together to like Spruce Woods Desert, like the opposite of <laughs> <laughs> space and ocean. That was the shore of an ancient sea, though, so I'm not sure we want to go there. No, they could sand sharks. That's right. Yikes. That's it. We're wrapped. We're out of here. <laughs> I'm done with these two. Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays from 6 until 9 on Global Winnipeg. Feared of robot space sharks. Gabby, I hope you don't get attacked by robot space sharks. Avoid all bodies of water this weekend. Stay safe, people. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Before we go through a couple of runners-up and name our winner, based on your texts on the stuff that you've borrowed and held on to for too long or stuff you lent out and never got it back, uh, you you and Gabby were talking about your fear of sharks. And uh, Taz, Big Daddy Taz, says, I have an irrational fear of not getting my comments read live on the air. So... <laughs> Just wanted to say hello, Taz. We love you, buddy. Um, so based on the stuff that you have borrowed or lent out and never got it back or whatever, what is... T- oh, my gosh. I just read the first line of this note from Tom. What does Tom have to say, Greg? Well, Tom says, I lent a set of golf clubs to my old boss from Chi-Chi's. <laughs> He used them here for three years, then took them back to Toronto. Six years later, I asked for them back. He sent them back to me. Collect. What do you mean? Like Like you pay for the shipping. Here are your golf clubs. But if you want them, you have to pay the FedEx guy or whoever, the $69.95. Unbelievable. Well, clearly. 
Where did you get the golf clubs? At the jerk store? <laughs> this listener says, years ago, I had lent my daughter toddler, my daughter's toddler bed to a neighbor for their toddler. Two years or so later, I asked for it back because I had a co-worker who needed one, and I was going to lend it to her. Well, the neighbor said, oh, I gave it away to a friend. What don't people understand about lending or borrowing something? I think there's a there's a mentality for a lot of people that if if you lend me something mm-hmm. and you don't ask for it back, it's that no, it's mine. Yeah. Or Which if you is, don't make it clear, like I, the thing about the a big item like that is that you'd probably say to your friend, "Oh, do you want to use our toddler bed?" And then did you say like, you know, I can give it to you for a couple of years, but I'd like it back? But if that's not made clear then I think my assumption would be that they're giving me the bed. Unless they had a baby in the meantime. And then like, oh, do you need it back? Yeah. Right. Right. But if they didn't, then you're thinking, well, what would they need this back for? Yeah, yeah. I could. Let, I think I could let the uh, person who gave, pushed it on, I, I think you get a pa- might get a pass on no. that. No, unacceptable. I, you, gotta let them, you think you have to let them know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no! Wait, pardon me. I no, no. If I'm lending, if I'm lending something to you, I don't. I, I shouldn't have to let you know that it's not some. It's not yours to keep. Like yeah, I'm lending this to you temporarily. Give it back when you're done. That's what lend is. It's in the in the very definition of the word. But <laughs> but that said, I do feel like there'd be some items where I would like. This is not a lend. I don't know. You don't need it anymore. I would ask. Like I take your pens; those are my pens now. You didn't. I did not borrow those pens from you. I know. I did. I used to have six of these, and now I have one. Um, Sharon, what did Sharon have, Loren? And I still have none, which makes no sense. Okay, Sharon says, <laughs> "I lent my son our ladder two years ago, and he still hasn't returned it. I offered to buy him one for Christmas, but he refused. His reply was, his reply was, why buy one when I have yours?'" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's terrific, Sharon. But Mark is our winner, Greg. I was a bass player in a band when I was in high school. Then I grew up, sold my bass, got married, had kids, yada, yada, yada. Today I'm 60 years old and have rediscovered my love of playing live music thanks to my good friend and guitar wizard, Marcel, who 16 years ago asked me to join his band. I said, I don't have a bass. He said, you can use mine. Today I am 60. I play in a band called Hip Shake. We will be performing at the Festival de Voyageurs this week, this year, and I still play the bass he lent me 16 years ago. We always refer to it as our bass, but possession is nine-tenths of the law, correct? That's cool. That is very cool. And I, I, this, is, yeah, this is great. Nice story, Mark. Congratulations. You are going to one night with the king, three of us champions, one night, Club Region Event Center, May 4th. Congratulations. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to talk some sports with Christian in a moment. We're going to check in with Hal in our next segment to find out what he's got coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. But before that, uh, we were talking last hour about allergies and EpiPens. And, uh, Loren, you were wondering about something, and you got an update on that. Yeah, so, you know, there's long wait times to get in to see an allergist. And that had me asking in the last hour, what if you are a person or your child had a reaction to something, a pretty bad reaction, but you're not necessarily sure what caused it, or you think you have an idea, but you need that diagnosis and that information from the specialist. You know, should you 
go get an EpiPen while you wait. And a lot of our listeners weighed in to say that you can walk into any pharmacy to go get that EpiPen, that they have to give you one, but they'll be selling it to you at what it actually costs. And so if you don't have that prescription from your doctor, which allows you then to use, of course, your health plan and your insurance, then you'll be paying full price. And so you're going to want that life-saving tool while you wait to find out what's going on with whatever you might be allergic to. But they are expensive, like 100 to 150 bucks in Canada. And in the U.S., the non-generic EpiPen is 350 bucks minimum and upwards of 700 bucks if you're going what? with the name brand. So it's, it Come can be on. really pricey. And, you know, in our house, we, we have four of them and they expire like every year. And we try to keep at least four on hand because you want them to have two on him. You know, when he goes to school, he wears them. Then you want to have one in his backpack just because, you know, what if he forgets to wear it or loses that little bag? And then you want to have at least one at home. And so if you don't have that health coverage, you're spending, in, in our case, we'd be spending 400, 500 bucks a year um, for something that we hopefully never have to use, but you'd never want to be without it. So I just, I thought that was interesting and, and it was a good point because there's a lot of people waiting for, to see an allergist. Doesn't mean you should wait to get the tool that may or may not make a big difference for you. I wonder if all of us should have them in our house, like a fire extinguisher. Just well, here thinking, we are. I'm just thinking about that out loud. Well, here we are. I was just thinking the other day about how we do all this naloxone training, right? Yeah. And I understand that it's a life-saving tool for anyone who might be going through an opioid overdose. But I don't know if the libraries and the schools and the pools of the city are all equipped with a couple of EpiPens just in case. It's a great question. We'll have more on allergies through the day, and you can read more at cjob.com about the difficulty of accessing an allergist. Now, for some, it is the most anticipated weekend of the year. That's right, Brett McGarry, the kickoff to Super Bowl, some combination of Roman numerals. I think they're trying to say 57. We'll confirm with our guest in a moment. Is just under 60 hours away. Winnipeg Jets return to the ice tomorrow night. A Manitoba men's curling champion will be determined this weekend in Nipawa. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are poised to make some noise when free agency officially opens on Valentine's Day. The host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show, Christian O'Mell, joins us now to cover as many of these bases as we can. How are you doing, Christian? Doing great, folks. How are we today? We're doing A-OK. So CFL free agency. I, I dig the openness of the oddly labeled legal tampering period because tampering sounds illegal. It's not illegal. Uh, yeah, no. exactly. Uh, the Blue Bombers appear, appear poised to make at least one big move on Tuesday. Yes, it's like this is the legal robbery window. It's like the purge. Brett would like that because it's a movie. <laughs> yes, a movie reference. I did it. <laughs> so, boy, Christian. <laughs> the Blue Bombers are going to get Kenny Lawler. That seems uh, very clear. And, and the way that any of these moves are reported over the course of this week is agreed to terms or reportedly closing in on. We have confirmed through sources that Lawler is going to be coming here. And, and Lawler did FaceTime with Darren Cameron. Darren Cameron tweeted that out. And he said goodbye to Edmonton in a post. So that basically confirms, yeah, he's, he's coming here. And that's huge for this team because that's going to be a weapon that we saw with Zach Kolaris in 2019 and 2021 produce big numbers. And then he went to Edmonton, was good for a bad team, and then got hurt. So it's going to be costly. What that means is that Rashid Bailey and Greg Ellingson are most likely gone. Uh, we've heard reports that Casey Sales and Michael Couture have agreed to terms elsewhere as well. So that means the Bombers are also going to be using their scouting that has landed them guys for the last few years that going into the season, there's always a couple guys we never heard of. And next thing you know, by October, November, they're pushing for an all-star spot. So the scouting department of this team is really good. They're bringing back 
most of the team that has been to three straight great cups and almost won a third in November. So they're definitely the class of the league still uh, in large part because of all the guys they are bringing back. Yes, they're getting older. That's for sure. At some point it's going to end, but I don't think it's this year. Okay, so we're talking Winnipeg Jets. Of course, it feels like it's been forever since we've had some hockey on. Winnipeg Jets back on the ice tomorrow night. I have two questions about the captain of the opposing team, Jonathan Taze for the Blackhawks. Is he in the lineup for tomorrow night? Because I know he's been uh, in the in missing for a couple of days now in the sense of is it an illness or what's keeping him out? I don't know uh, if he's going to play or not. I know Skylar Peters is very concerned about That's that. That's where I, the... this is where this is, comes from, Christian. I <laughs> okay. saw his tweet, okay. and it was the saddest tweet in the world last night. He's so sad he's not going to see Taves potentially yeah, he's tomorrow a big night. Blackhawks fan, and, and this is this you know if this could very well be whether he gets traded or not. The last Blackhawks game in Winnipeg where Jonathan Taves is on that team, so uh, okay. we're not sure yet. There's still uh, a lot of time. It's you know 36 hours away because it's such a late game tomorrow night. But it looks like probably not, uh, and then. Uh, the next part is going to be what, Loren? Is he going to come here? Is he going to get traded yes, here? What's part that's two? There. You know, I don't even have to ask a question. You okay. just know where my mind is going. Yeah. So, yes, he's coming to Winnipeg. I'm just going to put that in a headline. He's he's coming here. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I'll be <laughs> honest. I know we're um, still about a month away from trade deadline. I guess it's February is a shorter month, so it's, it's a few weeks away, still March 3rd. But I don't know if that's the player they need, personally. He's a an expensive player, the Blackhawks would have to retain salary on that. And I think they understand that, that no matter where he gets traded, if he gets traded, that's going to happen. I'm not sure he wants to get traded or if he just wants to finish out the season as a Blackhawk and then just go somewhere else in the offseason. He's making like $10 million this year and he's not close to that kind of player anymore. Is it Would he be fine fitting into a depth role for the Winnipeg Jets? And I know a lot of people want a player that can win more face-offs. Jonathan Taves is good at that. His health has been in question the last couple of years. I know the the homecoming part of it is really sweet for a lot of people. I personally don't know if that's the right guy for them, but uh, I'm not sure Timo Meyer is going to be within their grasp either. So there's going to be a move there for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe it is Jonathan Taves. All right, let's switch to the NFL tomorrow or this weekend, the Super Bowl for the casual or non-fan. Uh, will this game be worth the effort, like worthy of the hype? I think so. I think for the you know casual, this game is actually, I've heard people say more for the casual fan than the hardcore football fan because it's such a spectacle. Halftime's about three hours long and there's all the commercials, which you know I'll be watching on PVR, so skipping all those. I think this game on paper should be a good one. The question is, Philly's team is a better team than Kansas City, but Kansas City has the best quarterback in the world in Patrick Mahomes. That was not enough for them against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple years ago. And the Chiefs offensive line got completely overwhelmed and Tampa Bay smoked them 31 to nine as Mahomes just ran around for his life the whole game. I think the Chiefs line is definitely better now than it was then. They had a lot of injuries then. They're healthy now. But Philadelphia's offensive and defensive lines are better than Kansas City's offensive and defensive lines. And as we've known from watching the Blue Bombers the last few years, and they've won the line battle in almost every game they've played in, that's such a key part of a football game. But in any one game, just like we saw in November with the Argonauts, Anything can happen. The Bombers offensive line did not do a good job of protecting Zach Kolaris in that game. And we don't know how healthy Jalen Hurts is. He's never been in a game this big. And he hasn't really been in a close game. Philly's just been crushing teams all year. And so we wonder if it does end up being a close game. Mahomes and the Chiefs have been in all a lot of those. The Eagles haven't. So if it stays close, I'm interested to see if maybe that gives Kansas City the edge. Or maybe Philly's just that good. And they're going to wallop Kansas City. And we'll look back on the season and say, actually, the Eagles were one of the most dominant teams of all time. And we didn't really notice it as it was going on 
Well, so uh, just like uh, two weeks ago when uh, you and I both uh, predicted Cincinnati and San Francisco might uh, win <laughs> in the NFC and AFC championship, why don't you uh, give us your prediction so that everybody else can bet the exact opposite? Well, I remember as soon as we said that, I said, okay, everyone go bet Philadelphia and Kansas City, and I hope they listened because fading me all year on my show, you would have made a decent bit of money because I was brutal with my picks. Uh, I'm cheering for Kansas City. I think Philadelphia, again, is the better team, but I want Kansas City to win. I, I wouldn't mind having a, another great quarterback kind of build their resume that's two Super Bowls mm. already for Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Kansas City with my heart instead of my head on this one. All right. And, and then Jalen Hurts, it's right in his name. He's for sure he's hurt all the time, isn't he? Uh, sorry, that was bad. Uh, curling, curling, uh, Nipawa. Uh, you and I have uh, several shared passions, Christian. Uh, one of them is the sport, the game of curling. Manitoba will crown a Manitoba champion. Uh, how are things looking in the Viterra Championship so far going to form? So far going to form, they're five-seeded teams, and they're all in the A uh, qualifiers this morning, which means so there's it's a double knockout to start to figure out who the final eight are, and then they kind of start over from there. The four A qualifiers, all five-seeded teams are there. Ryan Weeb is up through four ends. Uh, Reed Carruthers actually down 4-1 after five to Steve Irwin. So if uh, Carruthers loses that, he drops down to the B event. He'll get a second chance to get into the playoffs. So it's not a, a huge deal. Matt Dunstone up 5-4 on Brett Walter and uh, Braden Calvert up 3-2 on Corey Chambers. So if Matt Dunstone wins this, uh, he's into the briar. If Matt Dunstone doesn't win this, he's in the briar because he's the number one ranked team in the country right now. He does not need to win this, but I had him on the show. He wants to win it. He wants the Buffalo on his back. Reed Carruthers, likewise, if Dunstone wins, he's probably still in the briar. Uh, he depends what happens in Alberta, but he's still very likely in. And then if Dunstone doesn't win and Carruthers doesn't win and we get some kind of a weird upset, then Carruthers might be in trouble. But uh, so far going according to form as we uh, will crown a champion on Sunday in Nipawa. Christian O'Mal, host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show, weeknight 630 to 9. Christian, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for joining us. I will point out, not tonight. I've taken tonight off. Ross 1110 filling in for me as I call Westman basketball games. Oh. My vacation days to do other work. And then are you working tomorrow night for the Jets game? No, I'm doing Westman tomorrow as well. Have I don't fun. work Jets on weekends, Greg. I, 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 have, I have things to do. <laughs> other sports things. Other sports things to do. I have stuff to do other than my job. I like that. <laughs> I work weeknights, okay? Christian O'Mel, he's the most of the time host of the 680 CGOB Sports Show. It's become convoluted all of a sudden, hasn't it? (laughs) 